Thank you, guys. Praise God. We are his children, right? Yeah. Have a seat. I'm so glad to see you today. I'm Kim. I have the privilege of being married to one of our pastors, and I am just honored to be here with you this morning. I think it's a great day for us to give moms some special attention and acknowledge what their journey is like. Last week, I saw this sign in a shop. Take a look at this. My kids wanted to know what it's like to be a mom, so I woke them up at 2 a.m. to let them know my sock had come off. <laughs> Here's another peek into a mom's life. Here's your mom before church, and here's your mom when you arrive at church. <laughs> Us moms, we can relate to that, right? You know, it's not just a good idea to express our gratitude and to honor moms, but it's something that God has actually told us to do in his word. So would you get out your notes and a pen your notes look like this. It'll help you follow along as we go through this today. And let's take a look at Ephesians 6. Paul is quoting here from the Ten Commandments. And he says, honor. Would you circle that word honor? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Which is, so he says, it'll go well with you. It'll go well with you. And that you may enjoy long life on the earth. He says, honor your father and mother. You see, when God tells us to do stuff, it's not just that we obey our way to God. He loves us. He's showing us the way to a healthy, thriving life. Even if you say, oh, you don't even know. My mom and dad didn't even want me. How can I honor them? Well, listen, there may be accidental parents, but there's no accidental children. God planned your life. He loves every baby. He has a plan. And your life was designed and planned by him. So when he tells you to honor your parents, he's guiding you so that it may go well with you because every other relationship and the health of every other relationship starts there. Now, what it means to honor is this, to give weight, to impute value. It doesn't mean that you love going on trips with them. It means that you consider the gift that mom has been in your life and you express it. And if there's some hurt there in your heart from the past, well, consider this verse in Romans. Paul said, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. Just like Jesus looks into your life with grace and mercy, well, God can enable you to look at your parents that way. The Lord knows the pain that you've experienced. He sees that more clearly than anyone. But see, when you decide to honor your mom and dad anyway, you're showing God that you trust him and that you're grateful for his grace to you. So today, it's the way that God looks at things that I'd like to focus on. That's why I love the song we just sang, Who You Say I Am. We're going to get a reset as we talk today as women about who he says that we are, about God's design for us women. And this is for all of us women, not just moms. And guys, I think there's going to be some really great nuggets in here for you. I want to ask you to pay special attention because you are part of shaping how your sisters here in the room get treated, whether they are valued and respected. And nothing could be more relevant in this day of Me Too claims. You see, Christ treated women with dignity, and it is fiercely beautiful. 
And it is up to you guys to influence others, other men. Many of you are in the position to influence your sons or other men under you. And we treasure you, men, young men, as you stand up as encouragers and advocates for the women in your world. One of our brothers who was greatest at this, I knew, was Jack Murray. He was among us until a month ago. The Lord took him home to heaven. I got to stand in the lobby with him many times. You may remember if you met him, he had this thick Scottish brogue, and he talked about his wife with great respect. He talked about his daughter-in-law with gratitude, and he would talk to me as an equal, and I get to be friends with his son, John, as well, and I see in him the same elevation of women. I just will never forget Jack for the way he appreciated women. Now, gals, we need a reset when it comes to defining some basic aspects of being a woman. And the reason it's important is this. Now, write this down. It's a life principle. Whatever you believe, you believe it, you live it, and then you pass it down. Believe it, live it, pass it down. Would you say it out loud with me, everybody? Believe it, live it, pass it down. And whatever you're believing, whatever, if it could be about hygiene or it could be about health or habits of the heart, whatever you believe, that's the way you live. And then your life becomes a legacy. And that's why it's so important for us women to believe God's perspective on womanhood. So let's do a reset about two important aspects of being a woman. Simply because of God's design, you can make this bold claim today. Write this down. See yourself as beautiful. That's God's design. Beauty is what we cultivate as women. We have an eye for beauty. The world says, though, that beauty, beauty is simply external, right? It's what you look like. That's everything. Well, there's an account in the Bible where God had told the prophet Samuel that God would show him his pick for the very first king of Israel, who God would choose. So Samuel had his eyes out for the guy. And when they arrived, it says in the scripture, Samuel took one look at Eliab. Now, Eliab must have been a hottie. And he, he thought to himself, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Now, underline this. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People judge by what you look like. So we want to look good, right? And there are so many ways we work at it, but it can get pretty complicated for us women. Here's a description of the beauty industry. Take a look at this. For men... This product can be used as a shampoo, body wash, body wash, face wash, lotion, mouthwash, toothpaste, engine degreaser, spackle, or sunscreen. <laughs> for women, we've specially formulated this moisturizer for your left elbow. <laughs> it can be complicated. But listen, we are so grateful for you professionals who help us with our appearance. Many of you are here. Many of you are watching online. We are just grateful because you bring us a lift. You help us to stand tall. I've noticed that one of the most loving things that a woman can do for her man is to keep working with what she's got, right? <laughs> but our pursuit of beauty can become consuming 
because of what we underline, that people judge by outward appearance. I mean, we live in a world where beauty and potential is measured only skin deep. Have you heard of this song called Try? It was written by Colby Kalett. It goes like this. Put your makeup on, get your nails done, curl your hair, run the extra mile, keep it slim so they like you. Do they like you? Get your sexy on. Don't be shy, girl. Take it off. This is what, they, what you want to belong so they like you. Do they like you? You don't have to try so hard. You don't have to give it all away. You don't have to try, 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 try. I, I, I. Get your shopping on at the mall. Max your credit cards. You don't have to choose. Buy it all so they like you. Do they like you? Wait a second. Why should you care what they think of you? When you're all alone by yourself, do you like you? And here's where it captures the truth. Take your makeup off. Let your hair down. Take a breath. Look into the mirror at yourself. Don't you like you? Because I like you. I love that song. It captures the truth of what God values, and that's your inner parts. Look at how Samuel says it. People judge by outward appearance. But circle this and star it. The Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at your heart. And you know what? It's not a look of judgment. He's not saying, why are you worrying about your appearance? No, he knows that we feel the pressure, the competition to compare ourselves to her and her and her. He gets it. His is a look of love. And it's an invitation to cultivate the real beauty that he values and that our spouses and everybody else is going to actually benefit from and never lose sight of this. That beauty is in the heart. Look at how it's described in 1 Peter. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. A gentle and quiet spirit. What a challenge in such a competitive culture where ads and social media push pictures that are doctored up and unattainable. And here's a verse where it just gets boiled down. Okay, watch this. Loyalty and kindness make a person attractive. You want to be attractive? Try being kind. You know, beauty is not what I look like, but what comes out of me. Instead of spending my time in front of the mirror, I need to be spending time with Jesus. And this came to home to me in such a painful way recently. This is really an embarrassing story, but I'm just going to let you in on it, okay? My family and I went to San Francisco. I don't like the big city. I get kind of frazzled. I mean, it's so noisy and dirty, and I want to feed every homeless person. And we, we had waited in line for an hour to get on the streetcar. And now we're on the streetcar, and I'm trying to pretend I'm having fun. So I get out my camera, and I'm about to take a picture when a man from the curb steps onto the streetcar and holds on right in front of me. Now, what came out of my mouth at that moment was not gentle or kind. I mean, it's so embarrassing. I said to him, oh, free ride, huh? <laughs> and then the train had left the station and I couldn't pull it back and it got worse. I, I was feeling smug and I, I, I said to him, you're blocking my view. What was I thinking? I mean, the worst part was the conductor of the streetcar reached over my head and this usurper paid his way with a little beep of his phone. 
I was the newcomer here. Yikes. I could have thanked the guy for showing me how it was done. I could have taken a selfie with him. Putting it nicely, I was out of sorts. But you know, in reality, I was lacking in gentleness and kindness. What we're talking here is beauty that matters. I think we're blind to how truly kind or unkind we really are. And so when I saw this book by Shanti Feldhahn, it's called The Kindness Challenge, it caught my eye. She says, if you want others to, fi to find you attractive, if you want a more profitable, profitable business or a happier mindset, if you want a, a better sex life, if you want people to respect you or enjoy you, to be kind. She says kindness is a superpower. It goes viral. Here's a quote. She says, the path to thriving relationships starts with one choice, whether or not to be kind, when, even when we really don't want to be. That's a challenge. Jesus took kindness seriously. He said this, even for people who rub us wrong, he said, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them, and don't be concerned that they may not repay you. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind, would you circle that word, kind, to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. See, we're most like God when we choose kindness in response, when we get pinched. So let me just tell you about our book, just real fast. Do you have a, a relationship in your life that you would like to improve? Most of us do. Do you, do you have somebody in your life who's difficult? Now, don't look at them right now. Okay. <laughs> See, that relationship could be your chance to rehearse kindness. Shanti is realistic about how ludicrous it might seem to practice kindness on someone who has hurt you. But she says that 89% of the people in their research who took the kindness challenge said that their relationships improved. And she gives three steps for you to practice for 30 days. The first one is to nix the negatives. Say nothing negative to them or about them to somebody else. And if, she says if you have to say something constructive, that you do it with a positive tone. And then she says to practice praise to find one positive thing you can affirm, both to them and about them to someone else. And the third one is to carry out kindness. Every day to do a small act of generosity for that person. So let's just look at those. For 30 days, say nothing negative to them or about them. Girls, if I get with my girlfriends, the ones who are really great listeners, and I start to just share, you know, how, start complaining about that person in my life. Do you know what it's doing? Two things. First of all, it's sabotaging how I feel about that person. And secondly, I'm training myself to be unkind. And one woman whose marriage was in trouble decided that she had nothing to lose. And she would try the kindness challenge, not being negative and just say positive stuff to her husband for 30 days. It was so radical a shift that about 10 days in, her husband came to her all sober and he said, give it to me straight. The doctor has told you I'm dying, right? <laughs> a gentle, 
kind spirit can be pretty dramatic after we've been negative for a long time. And then she says to sincerely praise them about one thing every day, affirm them, tell it to them and about them to somebody else. And she, she mentions not adding pointers. It's not like this, great job on the dishes. And if you had moved this pot, you could have put three more glasses in. How many of us have done that? I have, you know, just kind of slip a little instruction in there. She says, no, keep it positive. And the third one is to do a small action of kindness. Maybe I have a deadline to meet, but I sit down with my teenager to watch a five-minute YouTube video so we can share a laugh. That's kindness. You know, we get really busy. Well, Jesus was busy. He didn't have much time on this earth, and yet he made himself available to people. It says in Philippians 2, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. That's what God does for us. He's kind. He's a God we can talk to anytime. I'm so glad that my God does not screen my calls just because I don't have anything particularly interesting to say. Now, don't read this book unless you're ready for a challenge. What I learned from Shanti is that going through this 30-day process with specific, intentional words and actions opens my eyes to the kind of beauty that God values. She even makes a free website available to help you and support you through this challenge. Here it is. You might want to write it down. Let's see that website. There it is, jointhekindnesschallenge.com. You can just check it out, see if you might want to purchase the book. So women... Let's do a reset about what beauty is, the way God sees it. And here's another aspect of being a woman that I want to talk about today. What does it mean to be brave? Now, here it is. How many of you were here last Sunday? Let me see your hands. You got to hear my husband sing. <laughs> that was brave. Yeah. <laughs> He's inspired me all week long. But for our purposes today, I just want to talk about what is it, what does bravery in a woman look like? In a woman, I mean, there's something about a woman who's brave. She changes things. She charges ahead where others shrink. So to get us in the frame of mind, I want you to take a look at this video clip from a movie we love. This is a woman who's brave. This is no man's land, Diana. It means no man can cross it, all right? This battalion has been here for nearly a year, and they, they barely gained an inch, all right? Because on the other side, there are a bunch of Germans pointing machine guns at every square inch of this place. This is not something you can cross. It's not possible. So what? So we do nothing? No, we, do, we are doing something. We are. We just... We can't save everyone in this war. This is not what we came here to do. what I'm going to do.
to get you going, right? Yeah, I love that movie. And you know what makes it so powerful is that it's circling the truth. That we're not just talking about someone who's imaginary. A brave woman doesn't have to be a movie figure. No, I bet you're thinking of a someone, a real live someone who has beaten the odds. See, many women in this room, maybe you're watching online, you're on your own battlefield. And right now, the music should be crescendoing and arousing crescendo because you are fighting for what matters. Sheryl Sandberg is COO at Facebook, and she used to be an executive at Google. She was also chief of staff for the United States Treasury, and she likes to talk about women who are strong. She says if you walk up to a little girl on a playground who is being called bossy, and you tell her she's not bossy, you tell her you have executive leadership skills. She says, we all laugh because, see, it's not typical in most people's minds for a woman to be a strong leader, right? She says, would they laugh if somebody said that about a boy? The story is told in my family about my great aunt Fanny. I was three and I met her when she was 93. She was a tiny five foot little spitfire of a gal. And one day when she was a young woman, she had been walking her dog where she lived near a bayou in Mississippi in a swamp. And what happened was a gator came charging out of the water to get her dog. And she picked up a limb off the ground and she beat that gator off. I heard that story over and over as I grew up. And you know, maybe some details were missing, but it didn't matter. For me, as a little girl, Aunt Fanny set the bar pretty high that a woman can be brave. You may be thinking of a woman who is brave, who has faced some incredible challenge, and you're saying to yourself now, she's brave. Listen, God's word says that there is a reason for that. It's right here. God made a woman to be brave. So I want to ask you to write it down, please. God's design is that you see yourself as brave. We get to hear how God himself described his design for a woman. When we look at Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Will you underline the word helper? I just love imagining the garden, how this role and privilege that God gave to the first woman was so connected to her intimacy with her creator because it was unhindered and unbroken by sin. Now, it's been fascinating to me this week to use a website called Bible Hub to follow this word helper around in scripture in the original Hebrew. The word is azer, azer. It's used 22 times in the Old Testament, two times about women, and many times about war. The Hebrew word azer, it doesn't mean a whole lot to us until we start to notice how many times it's used in Scripture to actually refer to God himself. Like in Psalm 33, it says, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. It's the same word, azer, and our shield. See, the same God who is your help and your shield, he created you, woman, to reflect that help, his strong presence in the way that you help. But listen, it's as you stay in relationship with him. We all heard 
about the recent Southwest Flight 1480, where an engine exploded at 32,000 feet, causing shrapnel to fly, breaking a passenger win window, and causing the death of a young woman who was a wife and a mom of two young children, by the way. Her name was Jennifer. But the pilot of that aircraft was a woman who understands this help that God has given to her. Tammy Jo Schultz is her name, and she's one of the first women to ever fly tactical fighter aircraft in the Navy. She drew on that experience, and she responded to the aircraft's sudden loss of control and the danger that all 149 souls were in with nerves of steel. What everyone got to see that day was that Tammy Jo's M.O. is to give honor to Jesus every day of her life because she's in a relationship with him. She looks for chances to share her trust in the Lord. When she landed that plane, she simply said, God is good. See, God was her azer, and he made her brave, and she's bringing glory to him. There's another place in Scripture that tells about this quality of brave in a woman. And it's in Proverbs 31, where we see the qualities of an extraordinary woman. Look at Proverbs 31.10. It says, A good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. Now, some, woman, some women read this chapter talking about this good woman, this industrious, take charge, always on her game woman, and they start to you know, kind of hold a grudge. <laughs> One, day, one gal said, she's the lady whose resume reads like Martha Stewart on speed. <laughs> she says, I'll never measure up. Unless I dress the kids the night before and store them in Tupperware, I can't even get to church on time. <laughs> but see, this chapter is not just a list for us to go, yeah, right. It's actually, this is fascinating, a poem written by a mom to teach her son about the virtues that can be found and admired in a woman. And scholars even say that if you can read Hebrew, that every line begins with another letter of the Hebrew alphabet. But this word for good woman in Hebrew, I found that it is hayil in Hebrew. Sometimes it's translated to English as virtuous, capable, strong in battle. When you follow that word around, we find it used over and over to talk about power, force, bravery, a valiant warrior, excellent strength in battle, like how it's used in Habakkuk. It says, the sovereign Lord is my strength, hayil. That's the same word. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer. You know, there are days that I feel hayil, like it's a battle cry. In fact, let me just ask you to say it with me, hayil, like we're in battle. Ready, go, hayil. Yeah, sometimes I feel it. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. But there are other days that I'm looking at the trial before me, the ongoing pain, and I'm scared, and I just don't feel it. I think there's no way. And you know, there are moments that you have high yield as a battle cry, and there are other moments when it's the cry of your heart. And in that moment, you say Hayil as a desperate prayer. Hayil, please be true, God. Please be my strength. When I am weak, then I am strong. You know, I think God wants every one of us living from that place of desperation for him. 
And when we look back at Proverbs 31.10 that we read, where, where it says a hayil woman, a good woman is hard to find, you know what I think it means? Is that it's a woman who knows where her bravery actually comes from. She's the one who's hard to find. The one who knows and recognizes that the Lord is the source of her strength for battle. She is a force to be reckoned with. She's a treasure. The enemy can't stand against her because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. When God made woman, when he made his perfect design, it was for a woman to be strong and capable, to be a warrior. But listen, it's because dependent upon a, a relationship with him, our relationship to him. See, that's why he sent Jesus. So that what sin tore apart, which was our intimacy with God, could be restored through a relationship, a connection with him that is ongoing, that is intimate. We don't just decide, women, to stop being afraid. That would be like wishing upon a star. The truly brave woman is the one who puts her hand in the hand of the Almighty through the gift of a relationship with Jesus. It's a gift of faith. And you know what it becomes for her is substance. I love the word substance. It's in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith, it says, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Would you underline substance? Substance means what's standing under something. Substance or understanding. What's under you as you face the gator? What's under you as you face what scares you? Faith is. Faith is the substance you stand on in the shakiest of times. But I appreciate how Dallas Willard clarifies this word faith. Out of his book, Life Without Lack, he said, Faith is a neat word. Faith is a respectable word. But what we're really talking about is trust. Trust is sloppy. It's out there on the street, in the field of battle. See, that's the whole point of Hebrews 11. It's been called the Hall of Faith. It was a list of a bunch of people who struggled and battled against the hardest of things. You might want to read it this week in your chair time. These people didn't just decide to be brave. They decided to think about who their God is and then to trust him. See, it's trust that puts you in contact with God so that you can draw upon his unlimited and inexhaustible resources. Baby Ella is now about six weeks old. She's the granddaughter of some of our, our dear Twin Cities members, Rick and, and Becca. She was born in early April with a very serious heart defect, the most serious and complicated heart, heart de defect that a baby can be born with. And she spent all of her days in the infant ICU with her parents and grandparents watching and waiting and agonizing, seeing her make a day of progress and then a day of decline. And one day, her parents, Jillian and Matt, got a 4 a.m. phone call to hurry to the hospital. And when they got there in like 12 minutes, they were told that Ella was okay. And at that moment, Mama Jillian collapsed on the floor in tears. And then she got to hear what had happened, how the ventilator machine that was breathing for her daughter had suddenly unexplainably malfunctioned, and that baby's heart rate began to fall. She could have died, but Jillian heard 
how, her, how Ella's doctor had been standing right there at the moment, 4 a.m., and had watched those numbers begin to decline so he was able to begin chest compressions and keep her going. And Jillian wrote in her blog after that, something that continues to ring in my head. She wrote, machines may fail, but God never does. See, that substance, because it's trust in the Lord, it is what is under them. It's their immovable rock. They're holding on no matter what. No matter what, God, we're holding on to you. And you may be in your own struggle today. Maybe you've gotten bad news from the doctor. Maybe you feel like your dreams have been put on hold. Maybe you're hurting over the loss of a dear loved one. Whatever your situation is today, I want to leave you with a challenge. Hold on to the substance of your faith. Keep your eyes on God. Keep him at the forefront of your thoughts. You know, Ron's been challenging us to the Philippians 4-8 mind challenge since his talk on April 22nd about our thoughts. And you know what? Nothing is a greater arsenal for the battle you face than standing guard over what you allow into your mind. There is no greater defense for you than to rehearse in your thoughts who your God is. So every day, before you put your feet on the floor, think about how he's a, a, the almighty God always present for you. Before you go into that meeting, rehearse in your mind how he has ultra savvy over your business and how he favors you. As you drive your kids to practice, think about how he's a father who is perfect, who will never fail you. Throughout your day, rehearse and practice who your God is. Think about the magnificence of your God. See, women, God has a purpose for the space that you occupy on this earth on this day. Will you be the rare woman, the one who's hard to find, the one who is brave because her thoughts are fixed on the one who never fails? I'm going to read to you a challenge that I found as a first century writer whose name is Saturnus. I couldn't find any more about him than that. He wrote this to his child, but you know, we would do well to teach it to our children, and yet it starts with speaking these words to the child within each of ourselves. And so I'm going to ask you in a moment to read this out loud with me. And as we do, I'm going to ask you to speak it to your own soul, to the child within you. Are you ready? Let's speak this together. Ready, go. First of all, my child, think magnificently of God. Magnify his providence. Adore his power. Pray to him frequently and incessantly. Bear him always in your mind. Teach your thoughts to reverence him in every place, for there is no place where he is not. Therefore, my child, fear and worship and love God. First and last, think magnificently of him. Let's talk to our magnificent God together. Lord, we thank you that you are absolutely enough for each of us that you are the source of beauty in our lives, that we can learn to find our significance and our security in knowing that you are beautiful within us. And Lord, thank you that you're enough to make us brave, 
we look to you. And we want to ask you to train our minds to think on who you are. Lord, you are beauty and you are courage for us today in this time, in this day. Thank you for creating us to be women and now empower us through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.